Jesus, thank you that you're faithful to do that. Amen. Thank you, Tom. For those of you that uh, know Stuart and Elizabeth Hodges, uh, they have been just rocks for this church for years and years. And today was their last day, and they are now getting on the road, and uh, they are going to be heading back to Canada. We uh, definitely will miss their presence physically, but uh, they grabbed a part of many of our hearts that will still be there. So uh, pray with me for a minute for them. Father, I know the first service that uh, we as a congregation pretty much uh, displayed a symbol of laying hands on them to send them off to reflect your life in another location. And uh, we together, the rest of us that are here, join together as well, and we give thanks uh, to their impact into our lives and to those that we have seen. And I pray a covering of protection around them as they drive and as they go back and embrace their grandchildren for this season of their life, that you would lead their way before them. And with confidence, we know you hear us because Jesus said we could ask you that in his name. Uh, while you're in kind of a, a uh, atmosphere of pray, prayer, I would also like you to join me and pray for Pastor Steve. This was a pretty tough week for him this week. And uh, we're just kind of going to stand in the gap for him, pray for him. And uh, when you're dealing with cancer, sometimes you don't know what each day will bring forth. And uh, he's home right now and uh, needs our prayer. So if you would join me. Father, uh, I repeat again to you that you know the words that are in my mouth. I don't even know the ones that are there that you're going to put there. But you know the words that are in the hearts of all the people out here. And you said that uh, you know them before they come into our tongues. You know them before they're let uh, loose into the atmosphere. And we're asking as a body, as a congregation, that we would stand before your throne room and that we would reflect uh, the parts of the body that uh, are in love with Steve and Marcia and their family. Ask for a covering of protection around them at this time in their life. And Holy Spirit, you promised us that one of your names was the Great Comforter. I pray that you would wrap yourself around the Balsley home with comfort in such a way that the world nor even its people would not understand. One of your names you gave us also, Lord, was Shalom, that you are a God of peace. And that in the midst of this whole thing, that there would be an overwhelming peace for this season in Steve's life and Marcia's life. Strengthen them to what the day brings forth. Help them stay in the moment. But I know, at least in my situation at times, more than anything else, that your presence would be experienced, be felt, and he'd be okay. And so would Marcia. We reflect, Lord, your body. Help us, at least in our mind right now, wrap ourselves around that home stand guard for the arrows that are shot by the enemy so when satan shoots forth his darts that they would be consumed by your loving consuming fire and i would feel so confident if i knew that just you were present with them for what you have for them is always good it's always right and it always brings forth life and fruit thank you for the blood that was shed that did a display of defeat to all the hierarchies and dominions and principalities 
that are at war against the Balsley family and therefore against us. Thank you that your name is greater. And it is in your name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me in that. Uh, we are going to continue with the book of Esther. I'm not sure uh, if I will be able to continue with it next week. I, that's what I was going to speak next week, and I will just kind of see how things go. So uh, there might be some things I might let go just in case that happens. But Esther, and uh, we're going to pick up at chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. I am not going to read that portion of Scripture. I'm going to kind of tell you the story. Uh, those of you that know me know partly why I'm not going to read that story. Because uh, let me just give you a hint, and you would know. Numerous, numerous times, names like Barshanathia, uh, Hamadiathia. And I was going to read it and just use, like, Bob, Susan, and uh, things that you knew that I could pronounce. And then it gets not, o not only the names, but then it goes into the towns. And I just said, no, nah, I'm telling the story. We're not going to do this, Lord. I said, if you wanted me to do this, you would have given me a brain that could function uh, in this way. So here's what we've got going on. You, you know that the, the evil man came before the king, and he asked the king for the right to kill the Jews and all of the people of Jerusalem. He was basically trying to wipe out the nation of Israel. He stood against it. He asked for the plea. And for some reason, I had, and it doesn't even go into that, but the king awarded him to be able to grant this. So a, a certain day was going to be that all of the people in his army would go forth and they would annihilate the Jews and erase the Israelite people from the country of the world. And uh, obviously Mordecai got word of this. It was fairly alarming to him, as you would imagine. Try to make this somewhat real in your life. Uh, if all of a sudden our government said ISIS could come over here and ISIS would have free reign to wipe out anybody that proclaims itself as Christians, you would get a picture of what was going on. And they would say that at a certain day, ISIS now gets to come in free across the borders. I know some of you are saying it's happening. Just We're not going there. Uh, just, we're going to go ahead and say there would be, be a concern just like there was with Mordecai. And, he, and, and you know the story. Steve's been talking about that, uh, of what happened. But I do want to, to get you to the place that ask yourself this. What has been that thing that is worrying your heart? What is it that you are so concerned over? What is it that has somehow grabbed the attention and has robbed you from that, that settled mind? It's be, it just seems to always go back to this troubled thing just like it was with them. What is it that, that makes you stay awake at night sometimes? Try to think of that. What, what is it that you're concerned with? At first, first service, I, I uh, kind of said, you know, there's some things I'm going to be thinking about, especially today on the way down the hill. And uh, I usually try to... To, to, to put some practical application in not only what I'm speaking, but if I'm out there, and I try to kind of say, what, what is it that you're trying to do in my life today? By the way, I want to take a little bit of a detour and tell you this. Uh, when you come to, to your service or you listen to a CD and you can hear great speakers in your living room 
and you can do all this. Sometimes you get truth, and, and that truth just touches your soul, and you know that it's just kind of, it's grabbed you. You know the Holy Spirit's working in your life, and, and, and you say, wow, wow, that was awesome. That was awesome. And it isn't that long that you forget what it was. I remember one time, sorry to embarrass you, Dan, but uh, Dan and I meet every Monday, and he usually has something to say about my sermon. And, uh, and there are times that he will say, wow, that could have been the best sermon you've ever given. And I'll say, wow, thank you. What impacted you? And he goes, I can't remember what it was about. <laughs> now, <laughs> he's not alone, okay, as you know what I mean. And, and don't it get you where you think, I wish I would have remembered it. What was it that they said? I may go on and listen to it again. Let me put your mind, your soul at ease. God usually doesn't work that way. How he works is that you might hear something today, uh, maybe like even in some of the songs, and maybe there was just a verse in the songs or even a few words in the songs that struck your soul. Maybe I'll say some things and it'll just grab you. Don't try to follow and remember everything that we talk about up here because you won't and you'll become uh, condemning of yourself. Just say, God, what is it? Why did that grab me? And let's chew on that and meditate on that manna for the amount of time you want me to meditate on it. And you know what? It might only last for half of the day today. And in a way, that's good news because that'll make you have to go back to the throne of God and listen again. God has set life up in such a unique way that it just, if it's lived properly, you just can't get very, very far before you have to smell and breathe the voice and love of God again and again and again. That's why the manna that God gave to people said, just eat what you got. Tomorrow, I'll talk to you again. I'll feed you again. So don't get too fretful about remembering everything. But I do encourage you, if God touches your heart with something, lock it in and it will serve you well today, and it will wrap itself around you today. Uh, I was hesitant to go in that direction just because I knew I'd forget what I started my conversation with. So anybody remind me what it was? <laughs> okay. So one of the things that we're going to look at is we're looking at what is that that, that worries you, that, that bothers you. And I, and I said earlier that, you know, the first service, it was like my children. Uh, and a lot of you are looking up here, your children are 38, 40 years old, what's the deal? I promise you, all of you young parents with young kids, you think it's done at 18, it just starts at 18. Uh, now, now you get to where you can't control them, at least before you, you, you're hurtled around them. And so I'm always thinking something about these kids. And uh, however, I had, something else grabbed me today, I'm uh, reminded in, in the bulletin, now, I got to give you a little background to this. When I played professional baseball and, uh, and I signed and I went to the minor leagues and you were at spring, spring training, there were all these young 18-year-olds and 17-year-old kids that their whole life was to play ball. And if, if I could just play ball. And they did a horrible way of cutting people or releasing people, uh, firing people, telling them they didn't make the team, they're no longer there. And how they did it is they just took their name off their locker. So you would come in after spring training, you come in, you're tired, you're sweating, you come in here, you go to your locker and you're trying to find your locker and your name's off it. 
And so I was always there helping these young kids uh, as they would just broke down and wept and cried, and I would come alongside them. And God used the opportunity to see many of them come to faith through that. So you can see kind of a little bit of the reaction when I looked at our bulletin today and they had the lists of all the staff and people and I wasn't on there. <laughs> I, I looked at it again and I didn't see my name on there at all. So I don't know what that means, let alone when uh, my son Nick uh, kind of took leadership at our office. I don't have an office room anymore. So now I've got to worry a little bit about some of this stuff, but... Uh, Here's the point of number one is that I want you to remember this point number one is that God keeps his promises. When God makes a promise, he carries it through. It says his promises are sure. The word there means they're stable, they're solid, they will not be moved. He even says in Matthew, heaven and earth will fall away before my word falls away. What I promise, you can count on it, you can take it to the bank, it will happen the way I say it will happen. Now, you see, Mordecai and the group missed that. They had forgot that. God made a promise to Abraham and, and David. He made a covenant, and he said, my life depends upon my covenant. I will be faithful to the end to this nation. This nation will not be destroyed. Folks, if you're worried about Israel being conquered, forget worrying. God's promises are coming true. They will be on top. Okay. My only word is if you're going to team with somebody, I would team with them. Okay? They may not know it, but they're going to be on top. So his promises are sure. Psalm 119, uh, uh, I can't remember what verse is. Psalm 119, verse 103 says, Oh, how sweet are your promises to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth are your words. Is God's promises are going to happen, and they are true, and they are going to be firm. And so this is something to tell you. It may not look like the circumstances now look like his promises are sure because circumstances just come and go. They change so rapidly, and, and our emotions are so fickle. They, they follow, you know, the comments that are made. You know, I'm up here joking about this, but what if I went back and said, hey, you guys forgot my name? They said, no, we didn't forget it. Well, all of a sudden, I, my feelings might go, oh, wouldn't, it would have been nice just to kind of have a little bit of a lead way that I was gone. Okay, uh, but the thing is, is God promised that he is going to take care of you and he is going to make sure that everything that you need pertaining to any life and anything on this planet or in heaven, he says, I have already released from the kingdom of heaven and I've showered it on you. And when I speak that, it is true. I just want you by faith to follow me with this is this is the point that he first started to make with these people. Now, they began to see it when not only does he promise that their nation will be over okay. I would have assumed that when Mordecai got a hold of Esther and Esther got a hold of the king and the king, I thought that maybe what they would say is, hey, cancel out the day of destruction. Cancel it out. And that would have, that would have been my solution, is we won't let you kill the Jews anymore. God doesn't just do that. He doesn't do that at all. He leaves the day in place. So that the enemies then, they rise up and they are grabbed all, all the ones that says that hate the Jews. They go out to get them, but God has done something different. God says, no, that day's in place. What has happened, it says that when they came out there, 
the Jews grabbed weapons and they destroyed every single person that hated the Jews and killed 75,000 of their men. They were all slayed. He turned it around. You might think, well, why did he kill all these people? You've got you to remember the human beings and the flesh of people. They hated the Jews. If they would have canceled it out, they would have got another day. They would have picked another day because they were set on destroying the Jews and God wiped them out and he basically turned it around and not only did he wipe them out or not wipe them out, he let them wipe them out so now the Jews had nobody that hated them at that time against them. Second thing, this kind of just slips into the, uh, to the portion of scripture we're reading and it slips in four times. So I find it interesting that in this 19 verses, four times it says this, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. Interesting. The decree of the Torah, the Leviticus, and, and back to some of the Torah that was written, if you conquered people, you had the rights to their cattle, their money, their gold, uh, you know, a lot of different things that you had the right to plunder. It's like you, you kill them, you could take and, and take their weapons and take everything off. Four times it says when every victory they had, it says, yet they didn't touch the plunder. They left all the resources there for this reason. God, now they knew, was a God of promise. And his name that had been revealed in Genesis uh, was, I am your Jehovah Jireh. I am your sole provider, and I alone will provide for you. They didn't have to pick it up. I wonder sometimes where we get. I, my dad was. I, my dad passed away a year ago. This was uh, his last. Yesterday was his birthday. Two two years ago. My gosh, it goes quick. Well, my dad uh, somehow taught me that you uh, always uh, take the plunder. And uh, so if you walked into a, a doctor's office and when you walked out, it had kind of like those chocolate mints, like they have at Minerva's. Uh, you know, both of us would be filling pockets with chocolate mints, you know, it's like, and, and part of it, you fill the pockets because it's free. And the other part is, I'll run out. Uh, I went to a place that had these cool pens. They were just awesome writing pens. And uh, I just liked them and I wrote them and, and there was just a stash of them there. Uh, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> And it's sometimes we do this with our own savings, don't we? we we're not going to touch the savings. We, we are going to keep the plunder and, that God has given us. And all they were telling God is, God, now we trust you. You're a man or a God that keeps his word and keeps his promises. And you said that if we'll just seek you, you'll provide for us anything that we need on life. We don't even need the plunder that's sitting there. Walking by gold, silver. I'm just not sure if you and I would walk by and you see a case with a whole bunch of $100 bills tied together in thousands and you walk by 50000 you just walk by it. That's how it was for them. You've got to get yourself kind of in this to get real. They didn't touch the plunder. They didn't lay their hands on anything because they said God is sufficient enough to take care of us our whole life. Somehow God just takes delight in that. And, and the funny thing that when he does, you'll see as we conclude here, when he does, he also, not only does he pour upon you and lavish upon you, it says he opens the windows of heaven and rains on you. And it even implies you're going to have to get out of the way because it just keeps coming. Until it says it's coming so much you can't get out of the way, there's only one option, and that is just start giving it away. 
whatever that might be. They didn't touch the plunder. Third thing, and this is where I want to rest on, and uh, God then commands you to rest. Once you've went ahead and you've seen the hand of God step in, you've seen him walk in and show his truth and show his power and show his promises are true, and you don't have to go ahead and take the plunder and God will take care of you, he then tells these people this, and he tells it over and over, and we're going to see it again next week, whoever's talking, and he says this, they rested and they made it a day of feasting and rejoicing. So you rest, and rest is something that you stop having to be active. You rest. Rest is a sign of trust. Rest is a sign, just like plunder was, not taking the plunder was a sign of trust. Rest is a sign of trust. And he said, and then I want you to make it not only a day, we're going to see this in a few seconds, of rejoicing and feasting. Rejoicing and feasting. Catch this, because this is what I want to leave with you and how God talks to each of you individually, I hope will just be really unique ways and you'll share them with some of us another time. Every time that I saw God do something, and I read that God did something for his people, and he did a great work that people were in awe, he told them to celebrate so that they would remember who he was and what he had done. When he opened up the waters and they walked through the waters and all of their enemies were killed and they got out, he said, hold it, everybody, turn around. I want you to go back in and grab a stone from the water. I want you to bring the stone with you and you bring it to your homes, to your tents, and you set the stone up and that is for you to look at and remember what I did for you. I want you to remember. Jesus, when he was the last day on this planet, and he says, do you guys even get the magnitude of what I'm talking to you about? I'm sure right now it says they didn't, but he said, someday you will, because when I go, I will not leave you as orphans, and I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will instruct you of these things I was talking about. Do you know that the living God, me, and my spirit are going to come and actually live inside your bodies in ways that never has been done in the, ever in the history of mankind except for at the creation of Adam? And that basically you're going to be bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh in that way. And he says, when you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you're going to have this. And he says, now do this. Every time you eat and every time you drink, you take these things and you remember me. I'm going to make you know that you're hungry. I'm going to make you know you're thirsty. We should never eat or drink without it somehow reminding us of what God did to come inside our lives just as we take food in our life, just a reminder, thank you that you inhabit inside me. And then he made great feasts for it. It wasn't just a little event. God is a, God is a party animal. I mean, he loves parties. Every time he did, he'd celebrate. And it wasn't a one-hour celebration. There were days, if not weeks, of partying. And he said, I want you to celebrate. I want you to rejoice. I want you to stop from what is necessary and embrace what gives life. Let me repeat that. Stop from what is necessary and embrace what gives life during this time. You know how hard that is for some of us that like to do work around the house? Okay, we're just going to take some time off, and all we do is we look around what's necessary to get done. God says, stop what is necessary. This is for a celebration of feasting. 
You and I all do it well in Independence Day on the 4th of July. I can't believe the amount of parties and celebration on the 4th of July. We are remembering what gave us freedom way back then. We're not going to forget it. And you know what? And we're not going to let our kids forget it. And this is what God is saying. When God touches your life and when he reaches out and shows you his promise, he says, now, once that's happened, I want you to stop and rest and celebrate and rejoice. First service, I use this illustration because my oldest son, Jesse, and his family have moved back. So now we have all of our 10 grandchildren here. And, uh, and they came to service for the first time. And I, and I looked while I was talking, and I remembered my son's name, Jesse. He was sitting right back where you guys are. And that name came uniquely to Nancy and I because when Nancy and I were playing baseball, uh, Nancy got pregnant, and we were kind of excited, uh, shocked, but we were excited about our first child coming. And, uh, and the first child never came. We lost the child, and, uh, and, it was, and it was painful. It was a painful time for us. And then, as Nancy got pregnant again, uh, about three months into the time, uh, some things went wrong. And the doctors told us that there's a high chance you could lose this child. You need to go f- uh, back home, flew her back home. She stayed on her uh, bedridden for quite some time. And at that time, we were starting to think about what would be the name of our child if God so favored us to have it. And the name Jesse is the name gift from God. So. When his birthday comes, brothers say, oh yeah, happy birthday, Jess, a little text. God is saying, do you know what I did for you? By the way, I, I got this sent to me, uh, a good f- friend of Nancy's, and mine sent a, a, an article from the Wall Street Journal that science has now saw that at the moment of conception, at the moment of conception, there is a flash of light that happens when it's conceived, and they never have seen that before. They said they don't know how to explain it. A flash of light. Now, I, I know somebody, how in the world did they test that? I don't know. Uh, it's a miracle. Life is a miracle. When you have birthdays, they should be reminders that that child was a miracle from the hand of God and I am going to rest and I'm going to celebrate I'm going to stop from what is necessary and I am going to embrace life let's make this a party and if you'll look in scripture most of the celebrations lasted way more than an hour they lasted days and what that does is a lot of us say oh I couldn't take a days off there's so much to get done that's the point God is saying Look it, I just freed you from this. I just let you walk by the plunder. You can take as much time as I tell you to celebrate because I'm your God and I'm your Jehovah Jireh and I will make sure you're okay. He even says in Psalm 127, it is crazy for you to to rise early and then to work all day and retire late. Do I not give to my beloved even while they're sleeping? It says the watchman lies in vain awake all night if he thinks he's the one watching over the home. Psalm 124 says, let Israel say this. Matter of fact, it says, and I repeat this, let Israel say this, that deliverance came from God alone, and if it hadn't been for God, we would have been swarped by the oceans ourselves. We would have been wiped out by the people. God alone is your deliverer. I alone am your deliverer. If I say you celebrate, folks, you can afford to celebrate. 
And so he goes on, and you're going to see the rest of this book is making sure that it's pointed out that this is a day marked down in history that will be remembered forever and ever by the nation of Israel, that I am your God, and I want you to throw a party, and in the midst of a blast, just remember this, it all came from me. So I'm asking you today, however God's speaking to you individually today, however he is putting on your heart of something that you have seen, the promises of God come true in your life, and something has grabbed your soul, I want you to ask God to say, God, let's make a memory of this, that I would be reminded of what you did for me, what you have done for us. And in doing so, I am going to go ahead and forget that which is necessary and just embrace that which gives life. And then I want you to do something, he says. When you do this, I want you to pass it on to your children and to your children's children. You didn't have to tell your kids about 4th of July because they saw you celebrate it. I'd love to see a church that just partied and would draw people to it and say, wow. And we do it every single time because we're remembering all of the hands of God and all of the touches of God and you'll get to where you'll smell his presence and you'll begin to say wow I am going to celebrate everything that God does for my life I ask you today at least to think about that what is it in your life that you can stop and say boy God clearly came into our family or in our soul or in our job and turn this around and I'd ask you to ask God to say how do you want us to mark that day and then tell it Boomer, I don't know if Boomer's here, but Boomer's one of the pastors that's here, and he came here, he, he spoke to the congregation, and one of the things he talked about were these stones, these rocks that he put in, and all he did was write on the rocks when God did something special for him, and then he let his children be part of it. That's kind of what we're doing. But instead of just writing on a rock, I want you to learn to celebrate, to really celebrate, and always do it in remembrance of him.